Ya está aquí la próxima generación de tecnología Wi-Fi y es solo de Xfinity. Da superpoder a tu hogar con Wi-Fi supersónico. Conecta cientos de equipos al mismo tiempo y experimenta tres veces el ancho de banda para conexiones más confiables. Con Advanced Security que bloquea miles de millones de amenazas dentro y ahora también fuera de casa. Es Wi-Fi de próxima generación que cambia las reglas del juego. Solo de Xfinity. Para más información, visita es.xfinity.com diagonal supersonic. Se aplican restricciones. Las velocidades reales varían y no están garantizadas. At Pluralsight, they believe everyone should have the opportunity to create progress through technology. Pluralsight is a tech workforce development company that provides the solutions that high-performing engineering teams need to tackle today's biggest challenges. Whether you need to build the skills, individuals, and teams to tackle mission-critical projects, drive cloud transformation, or help software teams ship reliable, scalable, and secure code, you can harness the collective power of hindsight, foresight, and insight with Pluralsight. Check them out today at Pluralsight.com vision. If you've ever been a renter, you know it's stressful to find a place with everything you love and nothing you don't. But did you know Zillow does rentals? It makes the search so easy. They have filters for pretty much everything, so you can find that place that's in your budget, but also isn't a shoebox. Or a place that's close to your parents, but far enough they have to call first. Plus, it's easy to apply, request tours, and pay rent in the app. Head to ZillowRentals.com and find your sweet spot. From coast to coast, border to border, and around the world, you're going online with Bill Alexander. Laugh and learn while you listen to a brilliant display of radio. Online, online. with Bill Alexander. Bill Alexander. Good day, everyone. Yours truly, William Eric Alexander. All my friends call me Bill, and you're online with Bill Alexander. Here on WMCK.FM, Keysport, also on Mixtape Radio International, around the world, around the clock. www.mtri.co.uk. We're also on 99.1 FM, Radio Rehoboth.com, 6 p.m. on Tuesday. Awakens.eu, SteelFM.org on Fridays at 7 p.m., which I think is like noon my time, but over in the U.K., that's what time we're on, and we're also on uh, 107.5 FM, WLDJ Newcastle, Hall of Fame Music Radio at HOFMRadio.com, and of course at italknet.com. Bill Alexander with you on a Monday night. Looking forward to the program this evening because I get to talk to a radio disc jockey from the 60s and the 70s, and unfortunately, we're not going to talk about in the beginning of the program. We're going to talk about the second half of the program. But I do want to share this. This individual that I'm going to be talking to with in just a few moments wrote this song called The Other Side of Corona. His name is Sean Casey. Most of you are probably familiar with Sean um, through his work at WORFM and other stations in Philadelphia and Boston and everything he has done voice-wise, but he's also a musician, and I want to share this with you before we get started this evening, so you have an understanding of what we're talking about tonight, because it's called the On the Other Side of Corona, because as he says, there will be another side. your hug, I'll hold your hand, watch a game from the seats in the stands, wiggle my toes in the sand at the beach, have a beer with a friend within reach, no need to be alone, on the other side of Corona, I'll send my kids to school on a bus Grocery shop without making a fuss Go to the mall with no fear at all Marathon run with the short and the tall No need to be alone I'm 
visit or two Do all the things that we used to do with Bill Alexander, Sean Casey on the other side of Corona. On the phone line right now, we have Mr. Casey. How are you doing this evening? I'm good now that I've heard uh, my song on, <laughs> on the air. <laughs> well, the thing is, is that I, I wanted the audience to hear it so they could get understanding of what we're talking about. Now, when yeah. did you release this song? Probably a month and a half ago. So we're looking about the end of May then, right? Yeah, yeah. And I got the idea somewhere in the, somewhere in March. You know, I just said there was just so much negativity out there. And uh, I just uh, felt that there, there had to be a brighter side uh, somewhere. And there had to be a light at the end of that tunnel. And there will be another side of corona at some point it may be a year from now it may be five or ten years right. from now but we're going to get to the other side of corona we've got to be positive to get there and because I, we can't keep on living through this this negativity that you know we're all living it every day i think that's a great message to have out there because a lot of the songs that are even related to Corona are usually done in parody or done in a negative connotation. Yours right now is the only one I've heard that is actually positive and uplifting. And it is, it's talking about where we're going to get once we get to the other side. And as you said, it may be a year, five years, whenever it is, there will always be another side of the situation. And eventually we will get there as long as we work together to get to that point. And I think your song is actually a very positive way of doing that. Now, how long did it take you to write this? Well, the song itself, probably uh, two two to three weeks, um, uh, late at night, overnight, first thing in the morning, whenever, right. you know. Uh, uh, but to put it all together, that took more like, uh, I'd say, a month and a half. And the whole music aspect, the production of it, 
I, I work with a group in Los Angeles, and they're strictly online musicians. Okay. And an online production company called Studio Pros. And no matter what you want your song to sound like, or you write a poem, or you have an idea, you contact these people, you work through it with them, but you, they will do anything and everything that's imaginable. If you if we if I wanted that song produced to sound more like a symphony, okay. they would make that happen. If you wanted it just with an acoustic guitar, they would have made that happen. They do all the uh, the actual instruments, and uh, I what I do is I write the lyrics. I write I come up with a melody. And uh, I'm a horrible guitar player, <laughs> but I just know enough chords to be able to, you know, go and, uh, and, and throw a melody in with that, along with the lyrics. And then I call them and I tell them what I want to do. And okay. then I upload, I upload the, uh, the track of, of me just singing the words and with the, uh, the melody that I come up with. And I say, okay, I want the the beat to be like this with the drums. I want the drums doing such and such. I want it to be, uh, I want horns in this part. I want guitar doing this. Uh, and, and I get that background of just my ears from listening forever. And, you know, six and seven times, sometimes seven days a week on the radio, hearing hit after hit after right. hit. So, you know, I, I, I hear things. Uh, got melodies popping around in my head, and sometimes they come out, and sometimes they get stuck in there. So, this, music is really this isn't the first time you've you've written songs. You've actually done some in the past, and one was oh, actually yeah. uh, nationally charted, which was the uh, Dawn of Correction, Dawn which of Correction. which was the um, reply song. The I want to say to or the answer song to um, Barry McGuire's on the Eve of Destruction. Correct. Correct. Yeah, and that was nationally charted. I think we did the made it to the thirties. Although Barry was number one, right? He deserved it. <laughs> but, but but again, that was that was all about the Vietnam War and era and all the negativity. Uh, and I just felt like there had to be something positive. So instead of we all we were all living at the time on the eve of destruction. We decided to make it okay. You know what? Maybe it's really the dawn of correction. We'll correct things, and it'll get better. Mm-hmm. It, we're not just going all the way down the tube and not coming back. I, I think I think it's really interesting that you come across as a very positive individual. That in a situation that we're all dealing with now, as 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 a world in most cases with the whole idea of this pandemic, you are seeing the bright side of it. Not many of us are able to see that positive side. All we can do is go, oh, woe is me. I remember when it was like this yeah. a year ago, so on and so forth. But listening to your song and thinking about it going, a lot of the stuff we're able to still to do, it's just that we're not able to do it in the same ways. We just exactly. have to be careful yeah. and take care of it. For example, I was at my daughter's softball game tonight. She still played, still watched it, and we were social distance. I was still sitting with friends. I was still talking, and we had a wonderful time. So I was doing the same thing with my grandson. I watched him uh, playing uh, ball tonight as well. So, so we are able to do those things. We just have to pay a little bit more attention on the way we do them. And I think the way the song is, you're actually giving us a positive spin. Now, is this song getting any traction out there other than being on YouTube? And I also noticed that you have it for sale on Amazon and other the other uh, music sites. It's out there. It's on uh, at SeanCaseyExperiment.com uh, for the uh, and YouTube for the video, and then just the audio on Sean Casey. Uh, experiment here now.com uh, I'm sending an awful lot to uh, 
names that I find on LinkedIn. <laughs> and if they're connected to music uh-huh. or radio in any way, I'm popping those out nonstop. And I, I just, I, I'm not sure. It's still, I, I wonder if when they hear it, they're in the mindset of the present, which is totally negative. Right. And anything you hear about somebody who wants to see a brighter side, they go, oh, this, this is unrealistic. You know, uh, we're all dying here. Right. Okay, I understand that. So I, I get the feeling that some people may be taking, uh, you know, uh, getting the wrong meaning out of what I was trying to say. Uh, and one of the things I got, I mean, there was, uh, I forget how I got it to, this, to these people, but anyway, I got a, a note, uh, an email from, uh, it looks like an Earl and a Karen Bennett, and uh, I think they're out of Florida. And uh, it says, uh, you are awesome. Inspiration is what I need, as I have the, uh, the virus beast, coronavirus, and I'm in isolation alone. My husband tested negative, so I, and I tested positive. I have two precious little puppies who know mommy is sick, and they refuse to leave my side. May God bless you, as you are a great gift to me and others. So she definitely got a positive, uh-huh. uplifting message. And that's what I, I'm trying to portray, the, the positivity of, of the world to come, not the world that we're in right now. Right. Now, I know it's I know it's had airplay at uh, one of the stations I work at, which is 107.5 FM WLDJ. Because Doug Lazon, our program director, is the one that actually got me in touch with you. And I know he's been playing it on his program in the mornings yeah. on occasion. So um, so I know it's getting pl- airplay in western Pennsylvania, which is actually kind of nice to be able to do that. Now, how long have you been into the music writing business? Music, music, music. Oh, my God. Let's see. <laughs> that takes me back. Uh, I mean, I was a kid growing up on the street corners of South Philly, and uh, all we did—we didn't get into trouble, but we just uh, used to hang on the corner and sing doo-wops, you know. And then uh, somehow I got into radio. I actually, I—what uh, did I do? Radio, yeah. That was um, a situation where I uh, applied to LaSalle College, got accepted. And at the last minute, uh, a friend of mine I was singing with said, you know, what are you, got, what are you doing? What are you up to the rest of your life? He said, yeah, uh, I'm going to go to this broadcasting school in Philadelphia. And I said, hey, that sounds like a good idea. My parents were thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I never did uh, get a college education. I didn't go to LaSalle. I went to a school for broadcasting, video arts, and drama. And he wound up owning the darn school. And uh, while we were there, one day, um, one of the uh, local radio stations, WDASFM, was classical at the time. And they were looking for uh, some talent. And they had held auditions. And uh, our school sent uh, a bunch of us over. And I was fortunate uh, enough to get the job. So my first job in radio, six days a week playing classical music. And but I'm playing classical music. The AM is uh, R&B. People, uh, Georgie Woods. Uh, I don't know if, who's familiar with these names anymore. Uh, well, they, if, in the Philadelphia area, right. or New York, uh, Jocko Henderson. Okay, I would fill in for these guys because they were working Philadelphia and New York at the same time and running back and forth, and frequently they'd be. Uh, they would be late or not show up at all, and somebody had to fill in, and I just happened to be in the building. So, I, I you know, I, I'm doing classical and R&B at the same time. And I just, and the first time I really started writing, unfortunately, was when uh, my mom died, and I wrote a poem and about her and how her death affected my family and myself and from that point on I I just started writing lyrics and then I started I worked at WYBG in Philadelphia 
and started hanging out with these guys that were uh, writing songs named uh, John Madeira and Dave White. And Dave White is a tenor of uh, Danny and the Juniors. Okay. And he and John Madeira wrote At the Hop, uh, Rock and Roll is Here to Stay, subsequently Leslie Gore, You Don't Own Me, Len Barry's number one, one, two, three, and so many more songs. And we'd hang out, and uh, it, it, we hung out in a building called the Schubert Building, which was uh, the Philadelphia answer to the Brill Building in New York, where Carol King and all the great sing- uh, writers of, of that era used to hang out. And we had people like, uh, we had Madeira and White there. We had uh, uh, Kenny Gamble and Leon Huff. These are two R&B guys that uh, have written so much and are so successful uh, with all the R&B stuff that came out of Philadelphia in the 70s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and even and beyond. And one of the interesting things, and, and oh, and then one day Barry McGuire came out with his number one. Right. Uh, the destruction ne- negative. And I, I said, you know, we have to, have to answer, answer this thing, you know, I, so we started writing it, and then uh, then the three of us got in on it. And he said, "Oh, geez, but who the heck's going to record this thing? We don't have anybody in the in the staple right now. There there were a handful of others uh, that were being recorded, and and we were writing for. And we said, what the heck? Let's do it ourselves. Let's create a, a group. Uh, you know, who should they? Oh well, we need a name. What? How about we'll be the spokesman? We're speaking for." Uh, of the positive generation. Okay. okay, we're the spokesman, and that was it. And uh, we released it. Decca, Decca bought it, and uh, we made an album with Decca, uh, based on the the Eve of Destruction, and uh, it got us all over the all over the country uh, doing uh, local TV shows. Did the West Coast, the national, the national West Coast uh, was a shindig. Uh, we didn't do Hullabaloo. That was a national on the uh, East Coast, NBC. Shindig was ABC. And uh, it was interesting. We also did uh, a Mike Douglas show. And we, uh, okay, yeah, we did that. And when we did that one, they wouldn't let us do the song because of the the uh, controversy at the time between Eva Destruction and Dawn of Correction, and it was too political. Wow. So we wound up performing nationally one of the songs that we did in our album, and we did uh, Joan Baez, There But For Fortune. Okay. Um, and what else did... Oh, yeah, and there was one of the, song, one of the uh, West Coast uh, shows we were doing, uh, TV shows. Uh, we were a lot of stars, and this one was also with the, uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, and they did theirs, and then... Uh, we did our song, and so we're all just kind of, kind of hanging out. And, and David Crosby comes over to me, and he says, "You really believe that crap?" You know, <laughs> because we were being trying to be so positive, you know. <laughs> so uh, I guess controversy. I guess in their yeah, mind, but... positivity doesn't sell. They were going the controversial route. Yeah, yeah, they were. You know, they were pro. Uh, Riots, except no, I shouldn't say that. That's that's not right. No, I take that back. Okay, but uh, they they were more of the negative, and we were the positive. Right. So, when so when did you when did you um, basically start a radio career? Um, was it after the performing, or were you still working radio, in radio uh, at the no, time? Radio was always uh, radio was always first. Okay. And uh, th- that was always something on the side, uh, just something to do because, you know, in, in those days it was a wonderful four-hour shift and you did maybe an hour of preparation, so your your workday was you right. know, five hours. <laughs> you had some free time. Uh, so, you know, I, I started getting involved with the music. But one of the other things with that, that I, I'm, I'm proud of is... Uh, Herman's Hermits did the, uh, you know, Mrs. Brown, a lot of novelty songs. Yes. Mrs. Brown, uh, Henry VIII, et cetera. And I, in this building, the Schubert building, um, 
it was an old building, so there was an elevator, and it was an old elevator, so it still had an elevator man. There was a guy there, you know, throwing the switches and so forth. And at the end of every day, there was a woman who would come around cleaning the, the offices. Uh, and the guy's name was Sam in the elevator. So it was Sam the elevator man. And then I made up the name for the cleaning lady, called, and I gave her the name of Sadie. And I put together a little uh, romance between Sam the elevator man and Sadie the cleaning lady. <laughs> and we and and John and, and David had these connections because of all their hits and so forth and with DECA. And we sent it to Herman's Hermits, figuring that uh, well, this was perfect. Well, at that time, they had pretty much exhausted all their novelty ideas, and they didn't want to do that anymore. So they... Uh, but they loved the song. So one of the guys, one of the producers, took it to Australia and found this. Uh, they, I was told at the time anyway, it was a plumber's helper. Uh, they found him on a stoop somewhere sitting around, and uh, they put him in the studio. His name was Johnny Farnham, and they recorded it. And to this day, he is still filling stadiums around the world. All based on this song that kicked off his career. Which is Sadie John the Farnham, Cleaning Lady. Sadie the Cleaning Lady. It's just a great, great song, a great story. And a great, and even um, we had uh, somebody pick it up in, uh, what was it? It was bigger, I want to say, as big as the Beatles at the time okay. in Australia. In fact, you go anywhere in the world today, you bump into anyone with an Australian accent that comes from Australia, and you ask them about Sadie, the cleaning lady, and you know what? They're going to start singing it to you. <laughs> it, 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 that, it was that popular and still is. I still bump into people you know, from years ago, and they'll, they'll start singing the song. They know the lyrics. That's, that, that's um, cool. Um, so, 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 are you still getting residual rights from uh, Sadie, the cleaning lady? Yeah, they're not just quite as large as they were <laughs> a few years ago. Back in the day, yeah, I can imagine. Hey, uh, Sean, we got to step away for a brief me- uh, moment. We'll come back to uh, more conversation with you. So, just give me a moment. Sure. We'll be right back. You're online with Bill Alexander here on WMCK.FM, and and before I, you, know, I know you want to hear it, so I'm going to play a little bit before we take our break. But here is Sadie, the cleaning lady. Sadie, the cleaning lady. Rusty scrubbing brush and pail of water. Worked her fingers to the bone for the life she had at home. Providing at the same time for her daughter. Ah, Sadie, the cleaning lady. Her aching knees not getting. going to talk to Doug and see if we get back at the uh, back at the airplay here at uh, WLDJ 107.5 FM in Newcastle. <laughs> that's that's actually really cute. But we'll be back in just a moment here online with yours truly, Bill Alexander. Rumkey is hiring CDL drivers age 19 and up and drivers are paid based on experience. Rumkey CDL drivers earn $1,000 to $1,300 per week and more than $10,000 in bonuses possible in their first year. Rumkey drivers are home daily, work in a recession-resistant industry, receive great benefits and performance incentives. Start a lucrative career and apply now at rumkeycareers.com. Equal opportunity employer restrictions apply. How did we become Central Ohio's most trusted team of orthopedic experts? We focus on what matters most, our patients. At Orthopedic One, we know we're only at our best when we're helping you get better. 
and every day your commitment to overcoming pain and injury inspires and moves us. That's why we bring our best every day to earn your trust. Find a physician near you at orthopedicone.com. Online with Bill Alexander is on WMCK.FM McKeesport, Mixtape Radio International at mtri.co.uk, 991radiorehoboth.com, awakens.eu, steelfm.org, and 107.5 FM, WLDJ, Newcastle. You're back online with Bill Alexander, and as I mentioned beginning of the interview, Sean is a former radio disc jockey. Here's an example. It's 11.02, Sean Casey on your Saturday morning. Shop Macy's Saturday sale of famous name TVs, stereos, major appliances, vacuums, and discover one-day sale buys that'll really turn you on. See special one-day sale prices on Zenith TVs, RCA TVs, black and white and color TVs by more famous names. All-channel TV portables, consoles, rollabouts, table models, even remote control TVs. At Macy's special one-day sale prices, a stereo component system with AM, FM, FM stereo, and deluxe turntable, just $99.99. Now imagine buying a GE 12-cubic-foot refrigerator. And the thing is, in my mind, that's the way radio's supposed to sound. You're online with Bill Alexander on the phone line is Sean Casey. Sean, that's the way it's supposed to sound. I don't care what anybody says. That's the sound right there. Yeah, we were having fun playing the hits and just enjoying life. Uh, and had it was energy uh, and just a great time. Great, great uh, era for radio. Unfortunately, Ain't much of that left. No, that's true. Just a little bitty bit, but not a whole bunch. So what stations did you work for during your career? Because you retired in 2008, correct? That is correct. Let's see. I think I wrote down a list. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see. Oh, I told you about WDAS-FM in Philadelphia. My first gig, that was uh, classical music. Then I went to Dover, Delaware, WKEN. I was program director, did middays there. Uh, WAAT in Trenton, New Jersey, program director and middays. Uh, Philadelphia, WYBG, evening market leading CHR talent. Oh, that sounds like I'm reading from a resume. Uh, then WORFM, uh, New York. Then the 97 DJ in uh, the New York area. We're actually in North Jersey, but uh, right there in Bergen County, right across, and we covered all the boroughs. Uh, In fact, uh, it was called 97 DJ, and we were hot. I was program director, and I was doing AM Drive, and... We did. We were never going to overtake ABC. Okay, I mean they had a billion listeners, and we only had maybe a thousand. But no, we had. We did very, very well. But obviously, we're never going to be a threat. But the program director, Rick Sklar, R.I.P. Sorry, Rick. Uh, miss you so much. Uh, Rick uh, offered me a job in Houston, Texas, because we were just we were after his teen audience and. Uh, he was a little nervous, but I, I, I think he was confident enough to know that we weren't going to touch ABC. They're a monster. And then I went back to uh, WIBG, and then I did uh, PLG. Then came back to New York to WPLJ in the morning, and I did uh, CBS FM in the evening. And then from there, I went over to w, went to Boston, to WHDH, and we killed the market there. Uh, WBZ owned it forever, and WHDH walked in there uh, with the, when we changed the format, and uh, we we pretty much k- killed the, killed the market. We uh, we became number one, and uh, that was uh, no, no easy feat. And what else? Let me see. Also in the Boston area, uh, I, I retired from uh, WPLM uh, uh, in Plymouth. But uh, it covers uh, most of the area. Okay. Also did W and uh, W uh, COD on the Cape. I did a little bit of that. And uh, what am I leaving out? Oh, WATD in Marshfield did some of that as well. Uh, in fact, uh, they're 
they offered me to come back, and they just uh, put WMEX back on the back on the air in, in Quincy and Boston, and uh, I got a call to uh, get involved with that again. But I don't know if I want to go back on the air. <laughs> oh come on, you know you want to. <laughs> yeah, I just want to sit in my basement and write songs. Okay, you know. That's um, where my creative juices are flowing these days. So the the interesting thing is you you literally worked um, during that period of time when FM radio became FM radio, because that was when FM was finding its own and AM was going into I hate to say it because I love AM radio into the land of obscurity, but in the early seventies yeah. AM and FM FM was is, was putting up a good fight to AM. And then FM started to win win over the audience, especially a younger audience, because the uh, yeah. the sound quality was so much better. And I would say, what late seventies, early eighties yeah. is when FM became number one when it came to the form or for the the type of distribution. Yeah, we owned the market uh, WHDH with an AM, but then uh, Kiss came along, Kiss one hundred eight, and uh, they blew us away. Yeah. <laughs> Now, what music formats were you playing? Uh, I guess you would just call it pop. Okay, you so know, it, just, uh, it was contemporary well, hits of the time then. The hits, you know, the, the, you know the, the the top hundred, but we never went. We never played a hundred titles, <laughs> not all at once. Anyway, uh, did, very tight, very tight list. Okay, and very repetitive, and a lot of energy. Now, I know with the way radio is working today with all the corporate takeovers and everything else, the announcers or dish jockeys, whatever you want to call them, have no personality now. All they basically are are readers that are reading off of index cards. Uh, You guys had free reign, correct? Uh, Well, yeah, we had our, uh, I would say free reign. I get called on the carpet quite frequently. Uh, but I, I used to do voices and stuff, uh, and, and create little stories and, and do some uh, jokes, you know, and my wife would be the first one to tell me that you you really need to stop that because that wasn't funny. (laughs) (laughs) And once in a while, the program director would call me in and say, you know, that may have been a little off color or, you know, if you made a fat joke, oh my God, you know, (laughs) Political correctness was just beginning at the time. Which was actually probably good when you were program director because you could pull yourself in on the carpet, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, I, I, I just feel that Radio Day has become t- so sanitized compare, compared to the way it was. And it's just a shame. Now, if you had the opportunity to fix it today, what would be the first thing you did? First thing I would do, radio station. Well, I would listen to a lot more songs to uh, program if I could possibly find the time to do that because there's so much out there. I would keep it. I would keep it very tight and energized and let let the guys just live their life through okay. their radio show. You know, as opposed to reading cards, uh, relating to the audience and, and what's going on and, uh, at the time in, in their community uh, and in the world. And uh, don't shy away from the politics because there's a lot of good material there. Yeah. As, as your late night, well, your late night guys, guys can find has found yeah, out. You know? Yeah, they're using <laughs> it left and right, aren't they? Um <laughs> Now, the, the one thing is I said, and I, and I got to be careful the way I do it because there are people listening that, <laughs> that control my destiny right now. But how do you feel about voice tracking compared to live in studio work? Well, it's a lot easier. Yes. <laughs> Trust me, I know. Yeah, and I've done some of that. Uh, and uh, I, I don't feel any great satisfaction in it, to tell you the truth. Uh, like you said, you're basically just uh, reading off cards, and you can get a you can poke a little personality in there of, of yourself. But uh, you know, when you have a more of a you're in there in that live studio. I mean, I never sat down to work. I was always standing, and I was dancing. Yes, I was dancing four hours a day, 
and singing. That was my therapy. I never needed a shrink because I was singing at the top of my lungs, and you know, I've, I've done, I've played the same music actually for almost my entire career, from from you know they're oldies now or they're back in whatever you want right. to call them, but. I've, I've played them all, and as I progress from one market to another or one format to another, many of the same songs were still there. So I was still singing them. But you know what? If you said to me right now, Sean, uh, actually, even why can you uh, can you sing me Sadie the Cleaning Lady? I I couldn't sing the whole thing all the way through. I can't remember <laughs> lyrics all the way okay. through. I, I've got one of those brains, you know. Uh, I've I've done a lot of on-camera work, and uh, the prompters were great right. for commercials. Uh, but also, I've had to do some members memorizations. Uh, I was a national spokesman for Marshalls uh, stores for years, and uh, we took a lot of time <laughs> doing those commercials because they were all memor memorization and. I don't know. I just even I remember when I was in school and, and you had to memorize a poem or something, and, and I always felt that was like such a such a chore for me. I guess there are other people that have that issue too, but uh, that's always bothered me a little bit, you know. Uh, but I've gotten through it. Mm -hmm. And uh, well, I know one thing. Like you, when I. When I do music, when I DJ or when I've worked at stations, luckily for me, all their boards were standing boards because I can't sit down and do music. Now, talk, on the other hand, yeah. I could do yeah. it in my studio I have in my house is actually a standing board. But right now I'm sitting on a stool because I really there's no reason to dance while we're talking. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but I do the I do the same thing and occasionally I will crack a mic open not realizing it and you'll hear me sing. Uh and I've gotten talked to by one or two program directors in the past because of that. But I understand where you're coming from because it's a fun job. It is the way it's supposed yeah. to be. Unfortunately, when I got into it, I started in 1984, which is when we started to see the decline in radio and I went from FM to FM to um, a couple of AM stations, then back to an FM station. And the interesting thing was the AM stations gave me more freedom than the FM stations did. And I don't know it's because they didn't think anybody was listening or because they understood the way radio was supposed to sound. One other yeah, thing I'm that frustrates One other thing that frustrates me too is Local radio is disappearing because everything is being recorded from somewhere else trying their best to yeah. sound local, and it doesn't. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm really thrilled that there are two uh, facilities in this, uh, in this area, in the Boston area, that are still mom and pop. Really? Uh, Lori Campbell owns uh, WPLM in, in Plymouth. And uh, and you've got Ed Perry, who owns WATD in Marshfield, two local stations, but they have great coverage and uh, they do extremely well as uh, local mom and pops. And you hear a lot of the local commercials uh, and a lot, a lot of the businesses have an outlet at a reasonable price because they're not paying Boston prices to just be heard on the South Shore, if mm -hmm. you will, or a certain section. Now, what do you feel about all these online radio stations that are trying to recreate recreate the sound of the I'm FMs amazed. of the seventies? I'm just amazed that all this is, is all this opportunity is out there for so many people that uh, that have the talent and uh, and the uh, and and the energy to, to do that uh, and and the interest. I, I'm amazed because there's so many. Uh, ways you can express yourself now where before you had am radio right and then you had am fm and now you've got the world yep. you know that's mind-boggling i mean i used i did some work in in london and in cairo and people may hear what we're talking about right now 
in those areas. Well, I know I know in the United Kingdom they're listening to us live right now on Mixtape Radio International, <laughs> which is out of Okay, and and I had an office and worked out of uh that was right there in Trafalgar Square. Okay. Uh for a year. I worked out of there uh, doing some uh, other work for the government. And uh that was an exciting time, uh, part of my career as well. Five years worth of working for the government. And, and yeah, I, I'm going to ask you about that in a second. Another station that that t- does this program on a delay, which airs Fridays, is in uh, Scunthorpe, United Kingdom, called SteelFM.org. So this program is literally going around the world now that I would have never thought was possible when I started doing talk radio in the late 90s. Because I was working, like you said, you could only get on the radio. You had to go to school for for it. You had to pray the goodness you knew somebody in the industry or you had a good air check tape that they would hire you. Or, like in my case, they called, your, they called you by accident and needed someone to fill in overnight <laughs> and didn't realize who you were and you got the phone call. That's seriously, that's my first job working for a small FM station in the region. But it, it is. It's just like it's amazing what we can do now. And now um, I'm doing work for a, a station not far from here, which is WLDJFM. And I would have never thought it was possible. And I'm able to do it in my own studio from my own home. Yeah. And it literally in sounds. Yeah. And it's, it's just fantastic. So in your bio, it says that you took a five year hi- hiatus from 1990 to serve your country in London and Egypt, managing director, radio coordinator for Allied Forces psychological operations during desert storms. What does that mean? That means I can't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of assumed the classified I, I information would be over and done by now. I, I, I was contacted, uh, and uh, they were looking for someone to uh, uh, do some radio, somebody who knew a little bit about programming and so okay. forth. And uh, I worked with uh, our government, uh, the uh, the Iraqi government as well, and uh, we became a part of that whole that whole process at the time, at the the original <laughs> uh, Desert Storm Number One. And I got to live and uh, spend some time in London and also with Egypt in Cairo. I lived there for a while as well. Uh, a lot of work that I uh, can't talk about. <laughs> uh, which which I find I find very interesting because now I'm even more intrigued. So yeah. did, did you like doing that compared to being on the air on a daily basis? Were you on the air on, uh, um, or were you just working behind the scenes? Oh, I was uh, – no, I was – programmer so okay I, I was not on the air no because I, I couldn't speak the language i got you. okay okay <laughs> so basically you were programming what they were what they were going to be playing and the message they were putting out yeah okay uh, we we took care of uh, putting together the music with the message and uh i worked with uh, a handful of uh, guys uh of a, a handful of iraqis and we uh we did some uh, interesting programming. Let's put it that way. <laughs> now, last question on this. The music you were playing, was it contemporary music for the time? Was it uh, American music? Was it from the UK? What type of music were you playing? Does the name Aerosmith sound Yes. Familiar? Yes, it is. <laughs> okay. Playing Aerosmith yeah. over and over again is very familiar, too. No, but, yeah. <laughs> but they a lot of their, their stuff. Yeah. My daughter... Helped raise uh, Steven Tyler's kids. Really, and still works and still works with Ed uh, with uh, Joe Perry and his family. Oh, that's awesome! Uh, yeah, well, I used to be I used to be famous in the neighborhood, you know. And then <laughs> and it, it used to be, oh, they you're Sean Casey's daughter, and then it's uh, all of a sudden, oh, you're Jody's uh, dad. Uh huh. <laughs> Knocked me off my pedestal. Yeah, that usually happens like that. So you, you said that you've gotten a couple phone calls about going back and doing it again. What would it take to get you out of your basement? That sounds really bad. But to go back on the air again on a regular basis? I, I don't know. I really don't. I, I, I've kind of lost interest a little bit. I really have. 
I, I've, I've, I've got all my energy in trying to, uh, you know, create new. I've got about 40 more songs okay. that I want to get rec- recorded. Uh, so, you know, I've got a lot, a lot of work to do with that. Uh, so being on the radio, mm, uh, maybe singing one of my songs. Okay. The fact that I have the guts to actually sing my some of my songs, I like it, it took me a while because a few of them I, I was so used to being in in the spokesman. John Madera was always the lead singer, and I always wanted the backgrounds with uh, Dave White. Uh, and finally, I I started to get some confidence, and I, and then I watch American Idol and all those others, and, and I go, you know what, I can tell. I can sing. I, I can carry a tune, uh-huh. so I don't sound like I don't sound like uh, you know uh, some of the big stars. But a lot of the big stars didn't sound like big stars till they came. The marketing took over and, and made them big stars. That's true. You That's know? very true. <laughs> so uh, I now I am singing most of my songs, but the first few that I produced, I, I hired again the studio pros not only has the musicians and the instruments, but the voices. You can, and you can hire them to do uh, Spanish or Norwegian okay. or you name it. You name it, and they'll get it for you, and they'll get it done. So I had a couple of uh, the songs that I wrote uh, sung by other, uh, other artists. And all the background singers are singers that they provided for me. Gotcha. I just told them where I wanted the harmony parts, et cetera. So, do you do any voiceover work or any commercial work, or is it just basically focusing I, on your music now? Right now, fo- focusing mostly on my music. Uh, I haven't done any for maybe six or eight months, but uh, I used to do a lot of it uh, in Boston because, you know, I was on a number one station. You, you become familiar, and uh, the ad agencies here were familiar with my work, so uh, I, I did quite a few. Uh, a lot of corporate work as well, you know, representing digital when digital was alive and well. Okay. Uh, a lot of insurance companies and uh, a lot of uh, uh, high tech companies are working uh, working for them. That, that that was fun too. I enjoyed that. If anybody came to you today and said they wanted to get into radio, what would you tell them? I, I tell them what I was telling, what I've told them my entire career. Whenever you're interested in broadcasting, it's not going to be a, more of a guarantee, but the paycheck will be larger. Forget radio, do TV. Yeah. And that's what I've told. When I, I don't know how many interns I've had over the years. You know, and people hanging around saying, "Oh, what do you think?" That's a, why don't you do TV? <laughs> as, as, you know, as, you're going to put just as much energy into it. It's going to take up just as much as your, of your time, so you may as, well get a, may as well get a better paycheck. Yeah, you know? as much as I hate to say it, I've done TV in the past, but I still love radio because, in my mind, I can be more creative in radio than I can in TV. Um, but, again, that's just me personally. No, I, I understand that because on the radio, I, I, again, depending on the boss and the format and so forth, right. you do have a lot more flexibility and you're more in charge. You're more in control. Where on TV, you're standing there and, you know, you get your spot, stand over by the X, read that over there, right. uh, you know, get the lights this way. And, you know, it's too much of a distraction and, and you're at someone else's mercy. And I, I know. So what? So, I never ask you this in the beginning, but but what got you into radio? Was it basically because because you, you mentioned you didn't go to college, you went to broadcasting school? But what piqued that interest for you to go to broadcasting school? You know, I really don't know. I just didn't have any other uh, vision. Uh, in fact, my entire career, I have never set a goal. I've always, excuse the hackneyed expression, I've always gone with the flow. Okay. Uh, I really have. I have. I didn't say I want to go to New York. 
It just happened. Uh-huh. I didn't say I want to go over to when I was in New York. I want to go to Boston. It just happened. Um, in fact, one of the things I've one of the things I can suggest is, is and it's something that I've done uh, in my career, noticing early in the career that uh, folks were moving around a lot from one station to another. Uh, just in a quick example, uh, Don Cannon was, did a lot of New York radio and also Philadelphia. And uh, when I hired him in, uh, at 97DJ, he was in the business 10 years and had already moved 20 times. Wow. And at that time, I, I knew, you know, you've got to do a little something on the side. So I've got a little bit of the entrepreneurial spirit. And uh, I've started a few businesses on the side as well. Okay. I mean, um, I've had a medical laboratory when I was working at uh, CBS FM in New York. I was working evenings, and so that was like four hours. I had my whole day, so I needed something to do. So I I got involved with it and bought an AccuTest, AccuTest Medical Laboratory. And then when I got to Boston, pretty much the same thing. Only I opened up a few uh, fitness salons, and uh, now I'm basically uh, doing real estate as well. I mean, I I bought stuff, and uh, right now I just kind of manage it because it it takes care of itself. Right. I'm I'm, I'm staying busy. I'm staying out of trouble. (laughs) Well, that's good. Um, That's awesome. Well, Sean, I really appreciate you taking time for talking with me this evening. It was a pleasure. And um, can you tell the audience again where they can find your song online? Online, it's SeanCaseyExperiment.com. That's the uh, video. Or SeanCaseyExperimentHereNow.com. It's strictly audio. Okay. Um, what else? And of course, there are YouTube and uh, iTunes and all those other good uh, digital outlets. Well, Sean, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. I have so many more questions no. to ask you, but unfortunately, an hour goes by really quick. <laughs> I'm the one with the appreciation, really. It's, it's a thrill to be interviewed because... You're only the second person in my entire career that's ever interviewed Really? Me. And I, I, it's like, what do you say? I know, what are they going to ask? You go crazy, <laughs> you know, trying to think of your whole life and the things that you've done. And am I going to say something stupid? Right. And, uh, who knows? But, you know, it would, you know, I'm, I'm just so pleased and so appreciative that uh, you would even take the time to uh, think of talking with me i i really appreciate that well thank you very much and i'd love to keep in touch with you and find out what else you're doing and maybe we can talk again in the future absolutely you know where to find me i sure i know where to find you (laughs) yes you do (laughs) sean thank you stay warm be cool keep the beat let your love light shine and respect thyself and everyone else well sean thank you very much you have a great night and we'll talk to you again in the future Thank you. Stay Bye-bye. warm. Oh, well, yeah, well where I'm at right now, it's 92, so I'm staying warm. Jeez. <laughs> Bye-bye. Online with Bill Alexander, Sean Casey of the Sean Casey Experience, former radio disc jockey, and a new song he has out called On the Other Side of Corona. I'll put the uh, YouTube link in the uh, description of this when you go to the podcast page, which is at italknet.com. And uh, we'll be rebroadcasting this throughout on multiple radio outlets. Uh, On Sunday, it'll be on 107.5 FM, WLDJ-FM in Newcastle at 7 a.m. And tomorrow afternoon on RadioRehoboth.com at 6 p.m. And uh, throughout the uh, country and throughout the world. Oh, also on Steel FM on Friday and uh, wherever else we may be on WMCK tomorrow night at 10 o'clock. So hopefully you enjoyed that. I had a wonderful time. I always get a kick when I talk to these people who used to work in radio because, again, that's when radio was. And I really enjoyed it. Everybody, you have a great night. We'll talk to you next time here online with yours truly, Bill Alexander. This has been a Million Dollar Baby production. 
For more information, go to, go to, go to italknet.com. Ready to launch a new career or not sure what to do after graduation? Rumkey is hiring for CDL driving trainees. We pay you to get your CDL license while working for us. Driver trainees receive $18 an hour, great benefits, and Rumkey will pay your CDL costs. Once you're a CDL driver, you can earn $1,000 to $1,300 a week and more than $10,000 in bonuses possible in your first year. Apply today and launch a lucrative career at Rumkey. Apply now at RumkeyCareers.com. Equal opportunity employer restrictions apply. If you've been a renter, you know it's stressful to find the perfect place. But Zillow Rentals make it easy. They have filters for pretty much everything, so you can find a rental that's big enough for entertaining your friends, but small enough they won't crash all weekend. Find your sweet spot on ZillowRentals.com. Have you guys noticed that you can't go anywhere without seeing designer this or designer that, even designer furniture? On my social feeds and celebrity homes, it's everywhere. Have you seen how expensive these are? Well, if you want the sofa or recliner or bed that broke the internet, you don't have to go broke to get it. Because Designer Looks Furniture has all the same styles and trends, but without the designer prices. Oh, and they're well-made, too. It's the whole package. Check them out. Designer Looks at Value City Furniture or designerlooks.com.